So welcome in everyone to the third and final interview this, this evening from the NLBM Art uh, Fundraiser Artist Interviews. Uh, we're joined by a great guy who um, is known for his shoes. Uh, that's one thing I picked up when you guys were on uh, Beckett Live. I'm John McKellar of uh, Ballcaps and Bagpipes. And I'm Jason Durr, former league president and Baseball Scotland Hall of Famer. I'm also the owner of Dugout Classics, which of course is selling raffle tickets. So five pounds each and six fifty if you're in the US. And we ship internationally if you win. So don't worry, we got a lot of good prizes here. Yeah, hit up dugoutclassics.com. You've got about a one in four chance of winning if you buy a raffle ticket at the moment because Jason has like 50 items uh, and probably <laughs> more to come. Uh, we're joined for the final interview tonight by Jerry Williams. Jerry, would you like to wel uh, welcome yourself? Introduce yourself rather. Oh, well, I'm Jerry Williams. I'm a sports artist, but I also do shoe design and visual illustration as well. And I'm just your all-around regular guy, man. And it's nice to meet you guys, man. Thanks for having me on the show. Thank you so much for joining us, Jerry. It's a pleasure to have you on and meet with you. Uh, we always start with the same question, um, and that is to just give us a bit of your baseball background from your time growing up. Uh, did you play growing up? And if so, what positions uh, and to what level? Oh, okay. Well, yeah, I played baseball pretty much from uh, earliest years, probably like seven years old, all the way to high school. I mean, I pretty much, because like, in, in the town I grew up in, baseball was everything. I mean, if you weren't at the baseball park, then what were you doing with your life? <laughs> <laughs> no, wait a second. You're in Texas. I thought football's king. Yeah, well, football was king now, but like, Growing up back in the early nineties, it was pretty much baseball was everything. Right. Okay. I mean, it's kind of flipped these days, but back then, baseball was king, pretty much. Right. Right. We were at the park every single night. Yeah, I think I played. I played mostly center field because I had the big arm, mm. and I played pitcher like like two years. And my coach told me one thing. He just said. Just look, at, just look at the catcher and just throw it as hard as you can right down the middle. That's a good strategy in Scotland, that's for sure. Um, <laughs> Jerry, you're in Texas. Uh, what about some Texas are you from? And did you grow up watching either the Astros or Rangers? Uh, I, uh, we watched the Astros. We watched uh, back in the day when we had Jeff Bagwell, Craig Vigio. Mm -hmm. And then when they got the uh, the big unit over there, then I got a chance to go to a couple of games because my dad was a big, he was a Randy Johnson fan and he was a Mark McGuire fan. So when they actually classed, we actually got to go to the game. So it was pretty big, a big ordeal back then. <laughs> you actually awesome. know they were teammates at one point in time. Randy. Oh, they were? On, on what, the Oakland A's? Maybe? No, at UC, uh, USC. Oh, oh well, I, I would have known that. But no, no, because it was interesting. <laughs> so it was interesting you said that because I didn't realize it either. McGuire went to USC as a pitcher, and what happens oh, is really? he saw Randy Johnson pitch and went, "Oh shit!" Like <laughs> <laughs> as many as many have over the years, but wow, that's amazing. Yeah, and then he said, "You know what? I need to learn how to bat because there's a, this guy's throwing 100 miles per hour. I'm not coming near, near that." And he, he became a batter that way. But yeah, uh, they were teammates back at USC. God, imagine That's cool, right? Yeah, imagine playing against a club that had the big unit, Randy Johnson and Big Mac, Mark McGuire, on the same team. That would be frightening. Man, you ain't getting no swings in. Yeah, <laughs> you're just standing at the wall, pretty much. <laughs> 
<laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, Jerry, growing up, do you have a particular moment from baseball or a ball game that you've either attended or watched on TV that sticks out as your favourite memory? Uh, probably a baseball game. I think I was about 12 years old. Uh, it was a playoff game, and I hit my first... Well, it, it could have been a home run. I kind of pulled back my power a little bit. And I think it was a, I ended up hitting a triple. And the coach was like, you could have hit a home run. Why did you hit the home run? And I was like, well, there was a car right there behind the fence. And I don't want to break anybody's windows. So I kind of <laughs> pulled, back, pulled back a little bit. I didn't want to get in trouble. That's amazing. <laughs> that's crazy. That's, that's one of my fondest memories, so. <laughs> Amazing. Uh, Jason, do you want to take over and talk about Jerry's sneakers and his art? Yeah, so we've talked about football, we've talked about baseball, but we're sneakers, so I'm guessing you like hoops. Uh, yeah, like I said, I haven't been, I've been a basketball fan. I used to watch Allen Iverson a lot, and then when he left, I kind of wasn't watching anybody until LeBron James came, and I got back into basketball. So... Yeah. I wouldn't say I was a big sneaker head. That just started happening like like the past four months here. Right. Okay. It's, it's kind of a funny story story behind it as to why I started doing sneakers. Cool. Well, okay. Well, that. Let, let's go into your illustration first. <laughs> sneakers, because it's a, okay. There's a lot of people that want to know about the sneakers because I think when we did the book it live, everyone was really impressed by what you do. But you're a sports artist, so. And one thing I really thought that was super cool is you did the Christian Okoya Temco Bowl stud card. What was it? Temco Bowl. Oh, you see that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, oh, I've been a lot of Temco Bowl. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. So, did you get started? Were you uh, starting as an artist when you were a kid, or did you develop this over time? Did you go to college for this? Well, uh, art is pretty much like a. A family trait, pretty much, like within a man, and all the men in the in my family can draw. But I guess as they got older, they always figured, well, it's not going to do anything for me, so I'm just going to throw it away or just don't even worry about drawing. And me, I've been drawing forever, so I figured, well, if y'all are going to draw, I'll take the reins and I'll try to do the best I can with it, you know. And so I've been doodling all through school. I was like one of the best artists. Growing up, I did go to the Art Institute of Houston for a while, but that was for traditional animation. Right. It wasn't like that's not the kind of art I wanted to do, like drawing pages and pages and pages of hands moving. So I kind of left there and I just pretty much do, been doing a lot of freelance artwork, a lot of uh, like sports art and trying to go to like different shows and trade shows, trying to showcase my artwork and just trying to get seen. Right. Okay. So uh, did you come out of college and go, all right, I want to make it as an artist? I, mean, I imagine with your if coming from a family of artists, they would have had the full support from them. Uh, yeah, I've always had support. And I, I never told myself that I was going to be a full-time artist. I was kind of like, I, I know that I want to keep doing it as a hobby and as like a side, as like a side uh, deal, I guess like a side career. Because I never knew if I was going to be able to make it as an artist because it's a hard company to get to become famous in. So, what was the first piece of art you sold then? And kind of with that, aha, I, I am selling art. <laughs> um, 
my first piece of art that I sold, I can't remember, is it was a, a Houston Astros commemorative piece from when they won a championship the very first time. Yeah, so that was uh, 2004. Yes, sir. Was it 2005? Was it 2004? Yeah, I know it had. It was all four of us with Clemens and Pitt. The, the the one that uh, okay it, it was it had to be it might have been twenty it was two thousand and five actually because oh four was the Red Sox yeah it's two thousand five was uh, the Astros over the White Sox wasn't it yes and I should know that because that's when I got married because I remember <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's, like it's only fifteen sixteen years ago why do we not uh, remember this but yeah because as the World Series was going on during, so we, we got married in Vegas and we went to uh, Vegas, Seattle and uh, Toronto. And as we were hopping from city to city, we were catching bits of the World Series as it was going on. Oh, okay. That's pretty cool. Yeah. So for us, it was exciting because it said back in 2005, you got to watch two baseball games a night or two, two games a week. You yeah. got one on Wednesday and one on Sunday. So the fact that we had baseball on all the time was really yeah. good for us. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was always great when like the postseason would be on as well uh, over here because we would actually get to see good teams every day. Whereas uh, most time, most times, especially in midweek, we would get like uh, Royals, yeah, basement dwellers kind yeah. of. It was kind of like the kind of backup games that we would that we would see, uh, and then maybe Sunday Sunday night baseball we would usually get the ESPN broadcast, so it was always kind of good stuff, but like midweek it would just be a lot of it as well, we would be like pre-recorded as well, so it's just like yeah, it'd, be, it'd be those blackout games, huh? Yeah, pretty much, yeah, the blackout <laughs> games is probably the ones that you would be getting, yeah um, but it was baseball on TV and, and you know Yeah, it's better than it all, you know I, yeah. <laughs> Cool all right, Now so I think of it, I, I don't think it was a 2004 piece, I think it might have been like a 2017, like the recent Oh, That's right. Cool. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Yes. I did see that. Yeah. You had, cause I saw, uh, oh, who's the pitcher now for uh, the lefty. Yeah. I did remember see that. That will come to my mind. Uh, Keiko. Yeah. It was, that was yeah, yeah. It was Keiko. Yeah. Keiko. That's what it is there. Yes. Of course. Yeah. That makes a lot more sense now. Um, so yeah. So you started off with illustrations. I said that I, I, do you lean to any sport in particular or you just kind of take commissions or is there uh, something? So most of the time I'll take commissions or I'll just draw something that's on my mind. I'll just try to put it down on paper so before I forget it. And a lot of times I draw things and try to send the players and hope I get good responses from them. And it's worked a couple of times. <laughs> well, it's funny you say that because that's how Blake Jameson got to start. Like he met someone's agent and the agent said, if you do three paintings for my three players, we'll put it on Instagram for you. And then that was how he got his into with other athletes. Yeah, I respect that because you kind of got to put yourself out there. You know, you kind of got to take take those risks in order to get the reward later on in life. Yeah, absolutely. And of course, the connections you make are great. So, uh, you know, you never complain about that. Oh, yeah, most definitely. That's the best thing to have is connections because, like you say, sometimes it's about who you know. <laughs> so have you had a chance to actually present your work to any athletes yet? Uh, usually I do whenever I go to those, uh, autograph shows mm -hmm. and I've gotten, I've gotten a lot of good compliments and I've gotten one person, um, uh, Miles Garrett's mom wanted me to draw a personal picture for them. And what happened was 
I ended up losing the information that she gave me. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Yeah, because I, I got out there to give my autograph, and she pulled me to the side and was talking to me, gave me her number, email, and I was looking for it, and I lost it, and I was like, there's no way that I'm going to be able to contact with these people again. Oh, like, no. I tried to contact them, contact them through Twitter, Instagram, and, you know, they don't really open messages, so I was like, well, that's a loss, but it's something to look forward to, I guess. <laughs> well, I, I think what we'll do is we'll have to go and we'll have to get on Twitter and we'll have to go and reach out to Miles Garrett and see if we can grab his attention to see if we can yeah. do that because that'd be awesome. <laughs> yeah, definitely, definitely. Yeah, I'm like, I'm that guy that lost all your information. Like, still willing to do hey, yeah. <laughs> Oh man, that, that's gutting. I've I've had something similar happen to myself there, and uh, I I know uh, not not quite as big as Miles Garrett, but you're just like you know it was old school back in the '90s, and you got a piece of paper, and you lost it, you lost it, you know that's it. Yeah, because growing up, like I'm a big Texas A&M fan, so this was like the second show I ever went to, so I didn't really expect much from it. And to get that kind of response from his mom, of all people, I was like, well, this might be my shot right here. And then, you know, things happen. So, <laughs> so why Texas A&M? Uh, uh, to be honest, uh, I think it, it was like 1998 uh, when I started watching it. They had the human joystick at running back. I can't, Dante Hall. Right, okay. We got running back. And I just happened to watch the game and they were playing against Arkansas and they won. Right. And I said, well, there's my team. <laughs> and it just happened just like that. And I've been a, the biggest fan ever since. Nice. I mean, John has a similar story with his Yankees, so. Uh, uh, yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. <laughs> 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 I kind of, uh, so I found baseball kind of by accident in 2001 um i went to like a video store and was like looking to rent like a, a game of some kind like for playstation 2 back then and uh, i was already kind of uh, an ice hockey fan to an extent through the video games and uh, seeing bits and pieces here and there um, and i found all-star baseball 2002 um which had Derek jeter on the front so I, uh, I played that game and really enjoyed it so i thought uh, you know, I'm going to watch a baseball game this Sunday because obviously we had the, the Sunday and the Wednesday night game and I knew they were on being a hockey fan already. So it was Yankees-Mets was the first matchup and it was a Sunday before the 2001 All-Star game. And I just thought to myself, I'm going to watch this game and I guess I'll, I'll just naturally fall in line with whoever wins this one. And the pitching matchup was uh, kind of a forgettable one. It was Randy Kiesler versus Glendon Rush. And... Um, the Yankees won that night, so they kind of became my team. It wasn't until in the September of that year um, when Mike Mussina pitched a near-perfect game at Fenway Park that he cemented me as a proper Yankees fan and him as my, uh, my Yankee. Okay. Yeah, so we all have our... our, our <laughs> it's the same thing. I, I became a baseball fan because of the 1981 Little League World Series. My, yeah. Okay, I want. I wasn't born then, but yeah, no, not, not, not to date myself. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, so they, they literally lived like five miles down the road. So as a six-year-old, seeing oh, the guys okay. on TV and they had won it, and I didn't know what it was there, but I thought it was the coolest thing that there's guys that were just down the road that won literally World Series, and they were super famous for that, and and that was my interest in baseball from from a young age. 
Yeah, Jason, Jason was only in his 20s yeah. back then. So, <laughs> when you watch ESPN 30 for 30, they do a documentary on the 81 Lily World Series, and that was what got me on there. So, but it wasn't until so, later, until I watched that documentary, that I realized that was that point in time that would have cemented me as a baseball fan. So, was right, there something? I'll check that out. Yeah, was there something special about that particular year of the Little League World Series? Why, why 81? So, well, one, it was five miles down the road. Two, it was the first time they had won in quite a few years because you had Japan and Chinese Taipei that were constantly winning it back and forth there. So, right. I think it had been okay. like a six-year drought before the last time they had won. So, uh, of course, you know, 1981, you had like four channels. So, all four channels were lo local. <laughs> four <laughs> channels had the same broadcasters. So yeah. Through the channels. Oh, wait, hold on. You turn the channels because there's only yeah. four channels. <laughs> <laughs> And they all had the same thing there. And of course, there was a big parade for them and all that there. So, you know, uh, but yeah, I think had they not won that Lily World Series or involved with it, I probably would not have had that interest in baseball that I did. Yeah. Fun well, fact, uh, Jason actually. Yeah. Fun fact, Jason actually <laughs> celebrated his 21st birthday by going to the premiere night of uh, Wizard of Oz. <laughs> <laughs> It was the first <laughs> speaking of <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> All right, yeah. Hey, you still absolutely owned me in the mound, so who am I? All right. Right All right. Enough about us. It's about Jerry. So yeah. let's hear about how you became a shoe artist, because I said your mm -hmm. shoes are absolutely stunning. They are drop dead. You had the other, all the other artists just go, oh my God, this is absolutely amazing. So how did you become a shoe artist? Well, it was actually uh, this year, actually. And um, uh, my daughter is a big sneaker head, actually. She has like, her car looks like Foot Locker always. So. <laughs> but <laughs> I was going to uh, get her a pair of custom shoes. And the price that the guy gave me, I didn't agree with. Due to the fact that he wasn't known, I thought it, it was a very high price. And I was like, well, forget that. I said, I'm an artist. I can just make some shoes myself. Mm -hmm. And I ended up making a pair of customized vans. And then it just kind of snowballed from there. I was moved from vans to Air Forces, from Air Forces to the Jordans. And, you know, I was getting better and better every time, learning how to use the different kind of paints for the shoes. And now it's just kind of like clockwork. Cool. So you mentioned special kind of paints. What kind of paints would do that? Because I mean, I imagine the canvas isn't a very good, uh, what do you want to call it, um, canvas to work with. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, uh, when I do like a canvas shoe, like a van, I actually use like art, like uh, Arteza markers, like Copic markers, alcohol markers. Right. I use I use those, and sometimes I use like a little bit of asbestos paint as well. But alcohol markers work really well on a canvas shoe. Right. So that must have been quite a bit of trial and error to finally get everything to work. Oh, yeah, because I, I messed up on quite a few pairs of shoes, not knowing what I was doing. Right. So did you go and buy just a bunch of cheap shoes at first? You go, right, I got to try some just cheap $5 shoes to see what works there. Or did you actually start with the Vans and go, I'm an artist. I can do this right from the start. Uh, no, I actually went and bought a pair of cheap Walmart shoes and I bought a bunch of Sharpies. And that was terrible because the Sharpie bled all over the place. And I was like, well, this isn't going to work. <laughs> Let's try something different. <laughs> We're going to try paint markers. Same thing. It's 
it's terrible. So I said, well, we'll go with alcohol markers, which is a lot better if you're very gentle with it. Right. You gotta have a very light hand for it. Cool. So did you reach out to other sneaker artists and kind of get ideas to see what would work or did you just kind of work in your own bubble and not knowing that there was other people doing this? Oh, I definitely reached out to several shoe artists to get uh, the best info I can get because I didn't want to just keep going with trial and error. I wanted to try to duplicate what everybody else was doing. Because I was like, well, I know I have the skills already. I just got to learn what you're doing and then I'll be fine from there. Right. Were they very receptive to you? Because I, I don't know how, uh, I'm not a sneaker guy. Like I said, like basically I buy a, like the same, I've owned the same type of shoe for the last like seven years and I just buy it in different <laughs> colors after like that. So. <laughs> well, everybody's been pretty cool. You know, um, pretty much in the art world, you'll get people who are very helpful and then you'll get some that are kind of like closed in and don't want to give you their insight or their secrets and you just got to hope to find some good people out there that's willing to help you out because I always figure that as, as artists, we're all in this together. Like, we all should be helping each other out. So I never want to try, to try to, I don't hinder anybody else's progress. I just want to see everybody do as well as they possibly can. No, absolutely. I think that's been uh, one of the things we've learned is how many artists have reached out to other artists throughout the, uh, the sports art community to kind of get some tips and tricks and uh, or even just to pick their brains for a little bit. I think that's been a really nice thing to do. So uh, I'm really pleased to hear that people have at least helped you in your journey. Yeah, yeah. Like I said, it's kind of, that's like a trial and error thing. Too, you, see, you get some who won't really tell you much of anything. So, you know, still their, I guess, their style. And you get some that's like, well, I'll show you what I do, and hopefully it works out for you. And that's just a good a good gift to pass along to everybody else. So when you were creating the shoes for the, the benefit, did you film it a lot and so you can see the progress along the way? Uh, I didn't, really, because I don't have the equipment set up at the, the film, like the, uh, I don't even know what you call it. Yeah, the ring lighting, the camera, the Yeah, I don't have that equipment yet. I hope to get that in the near future here because I know that people love to see that. I didn't just create like little small music videos of my shoes when I get done. That's about all I do. So, all right. So, so what's the soundtrack to making your shoes then? Oh, <laughs> uh, I don't know. A whistle, whistle while I work, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's fair enough. Like I said, you know, because you, you should go and uh, like like um, your walk up music. You know, so you, you develop walk up music for your shoes. I definitely need some walk up music. Huh? Probably have to be like uh, some some in the line of like uh, Goldberg's theme music. Or stone cold, <laughs> that way. All you yes. gotta do is hit it, hit that sound, and you already know what's coming. I think you say John's night. John, John's a big wrestling. Yeah. Fan. <laughs> I think the gold. Oh yeah, gold, yeah, big old gold, Goldberg sounds great. <laughs> I like the sound of that. Like I said, all you gotta do is hit it, hit a yeah. sound, and you already know what's coming. Pain's coming. So <laughs> you already know what you're gonna get. You're gonna get a, a heck of a show. So. That, that could be a good theme song for when I'm making them shoes. Mm -hmm. <laughs> have, and just have smoke all over the place. <laughs> you have to blow the smoke out and then start heading out with the kicks. Yeah, yeah. 
<laughs> Be careful not to break anything while you're working. <laughs> I've actually been watching a lot, lot of old school wrestling. Mm-hmm. I watched uh, the greatest hits on the uh, Goldbergs mm-hmm. and the Rocks. I'm a big The yeah. Rock fan. Mm-hmm. All right. That's what you need to do. You need to make some wrestling shoes, paint some wrestling shoes for The Rock and reach out to him. Yep. Oh, I already have some in mind. I just haven't done them yet. Right. Yes. Okay. All right. Yeah. <laughs> now, with the shoes, then, is it going to have his wrestling career or his acting career? Ooh. Oh, it definitely got to be wrestling. I love his acting, but wrestling made him who he was. <laughs> yeah. Now, well, surely it wasn't the Miami Hurricanes, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you know, but uh, you won a national championship with the Hurricanes, did it not? I, I, I don't. Uh, yeah, but he was like at the bottom of the roster. Like you wouldn't even know he's going to team. Well, okay. Let's not let the facts get in the way. A good story. The Rock is a national <laughs> champion at the end of the day. Oh, yeah, we give him that. We give him that. <laughs> in the same way, I said the same way that I won a championship on Sunday by sitting on the bench all day and going zero for one with a walk. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's funny you guys listen to you guys talk wrestling because wrestling for me is 80s wrestling. Like all about mm. Jake the Snake and Hulk Hogan. Yeah. And so that that was those are my guys, you know, the Iron Sheik. I remember the Iron uh, Sheik. Macho yeah. Man Randy Savage. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah, the king of the promo. You know, yeah. Macho Man. <laughs> Avenger Slim Jim, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I am I'm so gonna crop that and add that to the beginning of absolutely every ball caps and bike page from the world. <laughs> Jason Dale's, Jason Dale's terrible macho man Randy Savage bro. <laughs> Did you guys know? Well, I'm glad I didn't do my impression then. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the snap snap into a Slim Jim. Uh, I remember when he went to WCW, he was still doing that. And I think that that's apparently why he and Vince McMahon fell out. It's because he took that kind of revenue stream with him. Uh, so you guys I know, know that. that. He was a he was a baseball player at first. He Kirk. was, yeah, yeah, Randy Poffo. Are you right? Yeah. So yeah, he made a league. So he he was like a, a terrible second baseman and like backup outfielder, but like he was so keen on the game, like he taught himself to throw left-handed. He was yeah. he's right-handed and taught himself to left-handed to do whatever he could to stay involved with baseball. Mm-hmm. Really? Yeah. There, there's somebody. Oh, it's uh, oh man, is it baseball card vandal? He made a card for him, and he has a picture of like 1974 Randy. Yeah, picture with his card for it. That's awesome. That's pretty cool, man. It's surprising to see how so many athletes didn't excel in sports, but they became great elsewhere. I think it's, I don't know about you guys, but for me, it's probably that drive to be the top of your game. I mean, we all know somebody that's been you know, all American or you know, all league and you know their skill level is so much higher. And then you get that next level and you have to keep working to get to that next level there. So I think you, you can take that, you know, the work you put into that and then go, okay, well, my career stalled out, but I can put that same kind of yeah. effort into the next thing I want to do and see where it goes. Yeah. Cause crazy. Cause these guys, they're, they're built like, like gods, like, like Brock Lesnar. He's, <laughs> and when he was on the football field, he was like one of the worst guys on the team. <laughs> yeah, like uh-huh. Terry Crews as well, too. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, and the yeah. Rock. 
Who was the guy that was actually a proper Olympic wrestler? Karangle. Yeah, Karangle. Won a gold, won a gold medal in 1996 with a broken freaking neck, no less. I didn't know with a broken neck. That might not actually be true. It was a <laughs> wrestling uh, reference. <laughs> he was, uh, he, he was injured. Yeah, he was, uh, he was injured before the final and uh, still beat the guy who was almost twice his size. Um, it was like a proper like fairy tale story with like an amazing ending where he like beat this guy, uh, and it was like pure determination and drive, like you say, like it was ninety percent like that desire to be the best in the world that caused them to get through that last kind of fight and become the champion. I guess the, the gold medalist. Yeah. Cool. All right. Well, John, I think you're gonna ask your question, but before we do, if you could design a shoe for anybody, who would it be? Uh, I, would, uh, I would probably say either probably Alan Iverson. Well, Alan, all right, yeah, yeah. yeah. Alan Iverson. <laughs> I uh, I used to have an Alan Iverson USA jersey. Oh yeah, yeah. Nah, uh, I was big. I was baloney over that guy back in the day. <laughs> AI was an amazing player, man. Absolutely phenomenal. Um, yeah, I'm going to ask uh, the question I usually ask to close shows. However, before I do, I've got a couple of comments from Tad Richardson. Um, he says, preach, we're all in this together. But more importantly, breaking news. Tad has tweeted Miles Garrett. He grew up uh, in his neighbouring town. Uh, no, this is... I've gotten that wrong. Uh, he's tweeted Miles uh, Garrett. Um, but he grew up in the neighbouring town from the 82 Kirkland team played against them uh, through high school. Um, and Stephen Loudon has uh, just checked in and said he's A's one tonight, so they're still alive. I'm not sure how much hair Stephen has left, uh, but he wouldn't have any by the end of this series, I don't think. <laughs> um, so uh, we like to finish off uh, each of our artists interviews, Jerry, with the same question. And that is, uh, as an American, as an artist and as a baseball fan, um, and for yourself, in particular, being an African American, what do the Negro Leagues mean to you? Uh, they they mean a lot. It, it shows a lot of uh, heart and determination from taking somewhere. You look back at where where you've come to where we are now. You know, there was a point of time to where they're pretty much separated. You know, segregated, and they had to make their own game. And now they're intertwined to the the game that we love to watch these days so it, it means a lot to know that we know that those guys would love to see what's happening in the world right now how everybody's accepted no matter what skin tone you are what race you are yeah absolutely we have a long way to go as a society both in the united states and elsewhere but i totally agree the negro leagues caused um, a progress to happen that has continued to this day and continues to get better. Um, I absolutely agree with you there. Jerry, uh, we're going to open up a pack of cards here, but before we do, would you like to plug your website and social media? Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, I can check my artwork out on my Instagram. It's uh, at Williams Illustrations, and I have an Etsy store. You go to etsy.com shop slash the Williams way. I was selling uh, shoes on there as well and the cleats for the uh, Negro League Museum on there as well too. If somebody would love to go out there and purchase them. Amazing. Uh, Jerry, it's been an absolute pleasure speaking with you and meeting you. Uh, let's open up some cards, Jason. 
right. So Thank you, guys, guys. you guys are making me feel old. So like, <laughs> I don't know which pack of cards we're going to open, but I'm going to go through the whole list anyways. So I got about eight, eight packs of cards. You can choose whichever one you want, and we'll open them up and talk about the players if we recognize anybody. So okay, we've got 87 tops. This one was big with Jason's grandkids back in the day. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, this is me getting revenge for that. Yeah, right, Jerry, I don't know if you were watching earlier, but Jason and uh, Justin Cousin almost had me pissing my pants laughing with a story that I was not prepared to hear. It was, uh, you would need to go back and watch, but like... Yeah, I'd definitely go I back was, and watch it. I was so unprepared for it that I uh, spent about half an interview laughing um, into my hat. Uh, <laughs> <so> <laughs> anyway, Jason, sorry, as, as you were. Justin had a Twitter beat. <laughs> so, so I had to have a story about that one. <laughs> so it was quite funny, but John, John just wasn't prepared for that one. So, all right. Uh, I've got a uh, 1990s score. That's got the Bo Jackson when he's got the football pads and the bat there. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. 91 studio so these are all cards where the guys are actually in like a photo studio where they're kind of going like this and <laughs> <laughs> so they're they're a lot of fun um 91 stadium club now that's got uh um what's his name jeff bagwell rookie in it if you want to go ask him uh, so i'll win that if you open it yeah uh, 92 donors and that's got a possible cal ripkin jr autograph in there 92 pinnacle and we like these cards because there are player hobbies in there i think there's like one per pack or we pulled one out there so there's so some strange cards in there uh 93 studio which is kind of the same thing again uh just with cooler backgrounds and then i've got a modern pack of what's it called big league baseball so it's all the modern guys in it ah you know what? I almost went modern, but I want to go 90s with the Bo Jackson. Right, the Bo Jackson. Yeah, we, we <laughs> pulled the Bo yet. We said we pulled. We opened a pack yesterday, and there was two Bo Jackson cards in there, but it wasn't yeah. the actual proper Bo Jackson card that we were looking for. So, but unfortunately, these cards have been pretty rubbish. There's not been a good card out of it yet. <laughs> we'll, we'll start here. We've got Andres Thomas with the Braves. No, no, don't really know that. So don't no, first. don't ring a bell. <laughs> uh, Alvaro Espinoza for the Yankees. No, known as Espy. He made the roster for the Yankees. He made the roster. It's more than I'm ever going to do, but yeah, that's that's not that's not great, is it? Cool. We've got Hall of Famer Alan Trammell for the Tigers. There. That's the second time we've pulled an Alan Trammell tonight. Yeah, we have. Mm. So. Uh, is that all right? We've got uh, a sports archives, the dream team. We've got Ryan Sandberg in the second base. Ryan Sandberg, okay, yeah, I know Ryan Sandberg, yeah. So, uh, that's kind of one of the, the art cards that come in there. I didn't, I didn't actually realize that was in there, but there you go. You, I like, think I played with him back when I played RBI baseball. <laughs> 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 so, do you have to like take your turns putting those uh, five and a half inch? floppy disk in there because you know that's my school <laughs> <laughs> no it was cartridge you gotta blow it blow it real hard yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right we got frank sweet music viola with the mets there it was obviously with the twins for a long time 
So we, okay, yeah. we coming up because him and Ron Darling threw uh, arguably the best college baseball game ever. They had dueling no hitters through eleven innings. Oh really? That's yeah. Cool. So yeah, so it was uh, St. John's and Yale because uh, yeah. Frank went to St. John's and Ron Darling went to Yale. And, and uh, Frank Frank won it, didn't he? Eventually, after I believe so. Yeah. So it's arguably the best game ever played in college baseball, probably ever. If you want to go dueling no hitters to eleven, so. All right, we've got a cut or a Brewer, Greg Brock. Uh, best thing you can say about Greg Brock is he was a longtime Dodger. <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't say much about his career. <laughs> Mr. Brock, Mr. Brock stuck around. That, that's that's yeah. barely doesn't. So we got Jay Tibbs with the Orioles. So he was just kind of a middle reliever. Doesn't really say a whole lot about him. Uh, we got Pete O'Brien with the Indians. So it's so, so that, that card deck is kind of like playing the lottery, huh? Yeah, <laughs> it really is. <laughs> It's a, the cards have been pretty bad. Although John's gonna like this one because we got his second all-time favorite player, Bobby Bonilla. Oh, yeah. ah, that's a good card. <laughs> <laughs> hey, isn't he the guy who gets paid a certain amount of money every year? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah the Mets, uh, the Mets pay him a million because it was that joke uh, when July first came that uh, Bobby Bonilla was like the highest-paid player in baseball this year up to that point <laughs> because obviously they didn't start until the end of that month. Yeah, yeah. They have another 10 years on this contract. Yeah. So, yeah, what, what basically happened there was it just like the Mets were like, we can't afford to pay you this year, like, so we'll pay you like a million a year over the next like 30. Uh, I think they I mean, were. That's, that's a great deal, though. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the, it was just the way his contract was structured so mm -hmm. they could kind of do get without it. I think he was getting like 10 million a year or something like mm -hmm. that. And so, if it's at all, we restructure it, we'll pay you. Over 30 years there, because uh, obviously by the time uh, inflation kicks in, like mm -hmm. the dollar would be devalued there. So, um, so yeah, he's done well with that. He has some financial That's security like, for him every year, isn't it? He knows he's going to get a million dollars in his account, no matter what he does. But I guess yeah. Pools. I mean, he gets paid for another year, and then mm -hmm. I think he has like another 10-year service contract with the Eagles, like a million a year as well. So, right. Pretty good, because no, a lot, a lot of players from back then. Most of them have burned through all their money and they're trying to do whatever they can to stay relevant. Yeah. Yeah. What do you mean by your Bobby just gets paid every year? <laughs> yeah. I'm all right. I'm trying to see if you can send some cards to Bobby for him to sign for you, John. <laughs> yeah. So we should probably fill Jerry in on the backstory behind this. I'm not actually a Bobby Bonilla fan. I became one earlier this year um, through a tournament that. Jason and I uh, took part and it was called the Bump Bailey Wax Pack Heroes Tournament of Awesome. And it was like a <laughs> game much similar to, uh, to what we're doing now where we would just pull a pack of cards, but uh, using, was it a 92 Beckett's uh, book, um, the Two Strike Noise podcast who hosted it would tally up the value of the cards that we would get. And in our first round game against the uh, infield fly girl, we pulled a Bobby Bonilla on like, I think it was the second or third card, which was worth like $3. And it automatically meant that we won. <laughs> so, so I became a big Bobby Video fan for that reason. Okay, okay. Yeah. Did you collect cards as a kid? I never had a chance. Did you collect cards? Uh, yeah, I collect the cards. I used to collect a lot of uh, football, basketball, some baseball. I learned from my dad. My dad was a big card collector, so then I became a card collector. 
I didn't know like the values of the cards, so I kind of just like, well, I probably have cards that could be worth a lot of money, but I wouldn't know it because I don't know how to grade them. Yeah, it's all it's all weird now. It's all about getting your cards graded and seeing the mint and tens and all that there. So, but let's be honest, like during that era, there's not a whole lot that's worth a whole lot unless you got one of those Michael Jordan rookies hiding somewhere. Yeah, because I had a, I was a rookie card. I was like, man, it's gonna be worth a couple of uh, like by at least three hundred bucks, and the guy was like, oh, worth about six dollars. Exactly. And then send it to get graded, and then they go, okay, yeah, it's a, this there. So if you have a perfect card, it's worth X amount of money because other side like that, and then yeah, it, it's all changed now. Yeah, like you get like one being on the side on the corner, it goes down like so much. I was like, well, I. I guess it's just not anything for me, but no, it's no. still a cool hobby, though. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, I, mean, I love collecting <laughs> cards and, and that there, but yeah, like the whole I'm, I'm gonna go send it in and get it graded, and yeah, it's 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 not my, my, my no way, not my cup of tea. Yeah. Cool. All right, we got some more cards here. So we've got Hall of Famer Barry Larkin with the Reds. Nice. Ah, I know Barry Larkin. Sounds like an RBI baseball coming up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Are you going to go fire or, RBA baseball after this and go play a couple of games? Or bases loaded, either one. Oh, right, yeah. <laughs> cool. now, while we're talking about video games, seeing that you're a hockey fan, did you like Blades of Steel? Oh, I, I, I like Blades of Steel. I don't know if John was around for that. I think that was No, great. yeah, that's Blades of Steel was a bit before my time. I'll need to try and find an emulator I mean, and check it out. It, it was before my time, but, man, that's like one of the top five greatest games of all time. Blades of Steel. I'll need to check that out. Because I think that was the first one I allowed where uh, you can fight. Yeah. <laughs> you hit that A button as hard as you can and you fight and knock them out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember that. Like, everyone bought the game because like, you can fight this time. You actually can fight the players. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> that was that because they had the pool of blood too, didn't they? I was just gonna ask uh, that. They might have been. I probably don't remember it. I just know you knock them down and they fall over the ground. All over, yeah. But I think there was one that you actually had like a pool of blood. Yeah. Or something like that. I was just going to ask, are there any of the games from back then where you could you could have blood and stuff and like black eyes? Because obviously nowadays you can, you get you get like animations where they hobble off, but they don't have any blood or anything like that in their faces. I don't think you're allowed to do that now in the games. But Oh, man. Maybe back That's then. Back. I haven't heard that. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I want a I want a hockey game where like when a fight gets initiated it turns into like Mortal Kombat. <laughs> that would be awesome, you know. Like instead of like just having the normal camera from the overhead, just like switch to like a Mortal Kombat style and just have them go at it. Yeah, with special with, cool. special with special moves and all sorts, you know. <laughs> they make a blitz style hockey game, maybe. There you go. Yeah. All right, we've got Randy Reddy for the Phillies. So Randy Reddy. That's a good name. Yeah. He was a utility guy. We got Mike Marshall for the Dodgers. Yeah, he was just kind of an average guy who played right field. So not nothing exciting about him. Although we uh, we've been talking about this guy a few times now. We got Bill Buckner with the Royals. Bill Buckner, I don't think I know him. Long time over there. We've got rookie Jose de Jesus with the Royals, which I don't remember him at all. 
He apparently has a, a explosive fastball. So I don't remember that. I want to get him anywhere. We got Mark Lemke with the Braves. That was his rookie card there. So he has been an All Star five times in five different minor league systems. And another rookie, Randy Nozick with the Tigers. So yeah, we got we got the Barry the uh, Barry Larkin, and that was about in the Ryan Sandberg. So we didn't do too hot on the cards there. <laughs> I wouldn't do that. Could have had a, a, a Nolan Ryan man. That would have been good, or a George Brent. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, that's the thing. Actually, you know what? We'll uh, we'll open up one more pack if we got time, and we'll go because usually the other packs actually have some stars in it. And uh, oh yeah, sure, we know what that. Right, so we'll we'll go with the studio cards, but we'll go with the uh, the nice studio cards here because I, I I really like the design of these, and uh, these are since it was a smaller set, I think it was only two hundred fifty in there, so they got rid of a lot of those guys. You're like, who's this guy? So you actually know. Oh, okay, well, that's pretty right cool. Be honest, Jason, you just want to pull Steve Lake again? No, I, I was 93, not 91, so. <laughs> but this is the one that has everyone's favorite hobbies. Oh, so. yeah. Yeah, they all, they, all, they all like hunting and fishing. They all have two kids with their wives, and they all watch Cheers. So, so they're <laughs> all stuck together. Okay. So because so of the gloss. We're going to start off with Harold Baines with the Orioles here. So his hobbies are playing golf, shooting pool, and yeah, uh, his favorite sports announcer is Brooks Robinson. So he's a big okay. real guy. All right, that's his card. That's a good card. Yeah, yeah. See, I like these cards. I, I, these are cool looking cards. So we've got Willie Wilson, and his favorite hobby is golf, and uh, his favorite player as a kid was Gail Sanders. And he might have been a businessman if he if he hadn't been an athlete. <laughs> Are those autographs or that's just printed? That is printed there. But his pet oh. is eight ball. Because we pulled this car. <laughs> oh, that's right. We pulled him before. He yeah. hates eight ball. We, we, we were still trying to figure out what eight ball is. <laughs> He's probably talking about cocaine. The time that those cards are from, he probably was in a, a locker room with a lot of eight ball in it. So I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> no, wrong year. That was the the nine. That was the eighties. That was when. Oh they, yeah, yeah. The nineties was steroids and, and that know. was when the pirates mascot was selling coke uh, in yeah. the locker room. <laughs> 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 yeah, it was the the pirates mascot was selling cocaine to players in the eighties. You can look at Pittsburgh drug trials. You'll read about that there. <laughs> oh, really? That sounds, that sounds kind of like a Daryl Strawberry story and all those. <laughs> I'm pretty sure he hooked up Daryl. I, I don't yeah. <laughs> I, you can't you know, confirm or deny that he was helping Daryl and Keith Hernandez. You know. <laughs> all right. We've got Mickey Moore and Dini. Gosh, you pulled the same ones there. And his favorite hobbies are bowling and basketball. His favorite player as a kid was Al Oliver. His favorite possession is Olympic gold medal, and he would have been a teacher if he wasn't been an athlete. So, all right, I remember. Yeah, he played for the '92 Olympic team. I remember that. So, all right, we got Jeff King with the Pirates. His hobbies are hunting and fishing. His favorite player as a kid was Joe Morgan and Johnny Bench. Mm -hmm. And if he hadn't been a ball player, he would have been a wildlife biologist. Interesting. <laughs> cool career. 
some of their hobbies are really interesting. All right. Yeah. Chad Curtis of the Angels here. And his hobbies are weightlifting and Super Nintendo. Not that, that, <laughs> ah, Super Nintendo. That's what I got on right now. Uh, yep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I saw that now. There we go. Super Nintendo. Oh, that takes you back. Uh, his favorite player as a kid was Alan Trammell. His most prized possession is his wedding ring. And he would have worked in pr- plastic technology if he hadn't been an athlete. Oh, we've had this car before because I was, I remember and I was like, plastic technology? What? And I'm pretty sure his wife told him to put their wedding ring on. Wedding ring, exactly. <laughs> She was probably the one who filled up the information for him. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So we've got Junior Felix with the Marlins, which I'm loving the Marlins blue. His favorite. Nice, and nice uniforms back then. I, that's my favorite one. I wish they would wear these more often. Um, would he, that have been the floor of the Marlins first year? Yes. Yeah. So he, he's an interesting one. So his hobby is golf. It seems like everyone's. His favorite player as a kid was uh, George Bell and Pedro Guerrero, and he would have been a computer engineer if he hadn't been an athlete. That's an interesting one. I would have never guessed a computer engineer, but all right. I mean, maybe some of those guys are doing those careers right now because they probably didn't last too long in the league. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it was the 90s. They weren't making millions yet, so. Yeah. All right. We got Black Jack McDowell with uh, the White Sox here. And this is a nice autograph. Yeah. That is good. So his hobby is uh, he's in a band. So he put, released a progressive rock album three years ago, three years previously. So I wonder if it was Spotify. Yeah, I, I wonder if he's still thinking <laughs> about. But uh, yeah, that, that's all. I, clearly, Jack didn't have a whole lot to say there. <laughs> it was probably the shortest bio I've seen so far. All right, Don Slot of the Pirates. That's it. I missed that logo. I really like that Pirates logo. All right, old school Pirates. Okay. Uh, his hobbies are uh, golf, uh, collecting cars, and reading. Uh, his favorite player kid was Johnny Bench, and he might have been a real estate developer if he hadn't been an athlete. Oh, real estate. Uh, all right. Real, real estate isn't really something you go into right out of college, though, is it? Surely, I'd imagine that would have been something he would have started toward the end of his baseball career. Probably, most likely. Yeah. It's like, right. oh, what would you want to be when you grow up? A real estate developer. <laughs> <laughs> you know, a fireman, astronaut, real estate developer. Yeah. Yeah, it's just, it's just <laughs> Would you want to be when you grow up? Would you want to be when you grow up? A postman. This guy is interesting here because he's probably the most players closest to the most modern players now because he was, he never got 200 strikeouts. But uh, he was one of those guys that always struck out 180, 190 times and would hit a ton of home runs. So I think he would have played these days and would have been just fine. To give you an example, they have they love to face, hate to face. So his best team he ever hit against was the Orioles, and his highest average against any team at all was two sixty nine. Wow, uh, he was kind of like Giancarlo Stanton, huh? Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Yeah, <laughs> but, but like I think probably about six inches shorter. So, <laughs> I mean, whether whether you're tall or you're short, man, you swinging you miss, or you knock it out. Yeah, pretty much. That was it. That's what he was known for. He was a three uh, outcome uh, hitter. You know, home run, strikeout, or a walk. So, um, yeah. Yeah. he he, he would have been a good player to play now these days. 
See, there we go. This, this is one of the great studio shots with Gerald Clark there. Look at that. You know, he's he's, he's oh, look, look at that nice shot. <laughs> <laughs> Gerald is all in, isn't he? He's like, yes, it's it's photo day. I love this time of year. He's got, he's got in ready to go. <laughs> so his hobbies are golf, fishing, and listening to jazz. He might have been an engineer. We hadn't been an athlete. So all right. Hmm. He's from Crockett, Texas. I don't know if that's anywhere close to you, but I saw he was from Texas. Uh, I've heard of it, but I don't think it's too close. <laughs> Not that Texas is a small place. Yeah. Texas is about as yeah. big as half of Europe, I think. Yeah, I drove eight hours and I was still in Texas. <laughs> <laughs> that does not sound like it. It's so funny. If you, if you can drive to here in Poland in 20 hours. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Europe's really small. Like, you, you can literally, like, uh, from Edinburgh, there you can catch a f overnight ferry and end up in Amsterdam, basically. And then you can drive straight from there, um, pretty much across everything. It's, it's small. Like, you can fit all the UK and Ireland in the state of Nevada. Yeah. Man, that's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, there, are, there are twice as many people in New York City as there are in the entire country of Scotland. <laughs> Wow. So yeah. grew up in Texas all your life. All I ever knew was that everything was far. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, it, it, it's pretty small. I mean, my, my wife's Swedish, and uh, being from Seattle, we have a lake house that's about five and a half hours away. And same thing. She was like, all right, like five hours of driving in Sweden. I could have been in two different countries by now. Yeah. <laughs> all right, we got two more cards, and then we'll call it a night. So we've got Chili Davis for the Angels here. His Chili hobbies Davis. Are, are golf, tennis, and swimming. His favorite player was Johnny Bench. And his most prized possession is his World Series trophy and ring. And he might have been a musician or an electrician if he hadn't been an athlete. A lot of love for uh, Johnny Bench among this class of players, isn't it? I think it was that, that era of the big red machine. So you know, Yeah, these guys all grew up watching so you would have had that and of course like being these guys grew up in the 70s and there you would have only had three channels so you actually would have had some probably pretty good games to watch on like on a sunday so big red machine that's Cincinnati Reds, huh correct yes oh okay my dad he's like, a, like the biggest uh pete rose fan ever <laughs> uh, so you should oh gosh, who, who is that now uh you need to reach out to oh man what's uh, steve Steve, Steve Coyler. Yeah, so he's in Cincinnati, and he does a lot. Like, most of his work is, like, all Cincinnati Reds. Oh, really? Oh, okay. So, yeah, so you should reach out to him. Super cool guy. Uh, we had a great time talking with him. And, uh, yeah, you should definitely go and see if you can uh, get something for your dad. Oh, yeah, I'd definitely hook up with him. So, to say that, like, he actually coaches the baseball team. He teaches the team at the same high school Pete Rose went to. Oh, that's pretty cool, man. Yeah, so yeah, you should, you should have him uh, go around and take some photos. I'm sure there's pictures of Pete and stuff like that there. And he's got a giant picture of Pete doing that classic head first slide in the third base. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> All right, final card. We got Roberto Kelly with the Reds. And his toys are listening to salsa music and going to movies. His favorite player was Rod Creel. And his most prized possession is life. Well, there you go. Well, I guess well, you can't lose with that. Yeah, it's a good note to end on. <laughs> exactly. 
Make Gosh, life the most prized possession. That's the message tonight as we close <laughs> up. Uh, Jerry, thank you so, so much for joining us. It's been an absolute pleasure to speak with you. Uh, all the best with the fundraiser um, and all the, the other items you have in your store. That was etsy.com slash shop slash the Williams way. Yes, yeah, sir. Yes, yeah, sir. Uh, everyone, check out Jerry's stuff. His sneakers, as you call it over there, trainers, as we call them in the UK. Um, I've seen bits and pieces of it, and it looks amazing. Uh, keep doing what you're doing, and all the best, man. Thank yeah. you. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank y'all for having me as well, too. No problem. We'll have to get <laughs> watch a wrestling match. Yes. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all the best, Jerry, and thanks again. <laughs> all right. Thank you, guys. Yes, sir. Y'all take it easy.